بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى عليه وصحبه أجمعين أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله ما بعد والسلام عليكم رحمة الله وبركاته I would first like to begin by saying that it is a pleasure and an honor to have the opportunity to address such esteemed brothers in Islam. And I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for making it possible for me to be with all of you today. I am not uh, a scholar of Islam and I would be the first one to tell you that anyone here could probably tell me mistakes well, I, I, that I've already made in the introduction. But it is a privilege to tell you that I'm very happy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided me and my father and my wife and my children and my friends to Islam. This is a big pleasure to mention this in the opening. And to my esteemed uh, scholars and brothers in Islam, I would like to mention that the absence of our brothers who were scheduled to be here with me on this uh, project, actually I've worked with Omar Weston for a number of years from Mexico, and I'm familiar to some extent with the project he's currently working on, and I had a chance to read the, some of the paperwork of Muzamo Siddiqui. And I won't try to represent them, but at least we'll be somewhat familiar with what their subject would be and try to incorporate this in what I'm about to tell you. The subject that we agreed on to speak tonight was the subject of the effect of globalization on the future of the Dawah with an emphasis on the effect of our youth, especially in the West. And when we agreed to this subject, I jokingly asked my friends, I said, this is no problem, but I have one question. They said, what is it? I said, what's globalization? Because this could have different meanings to different people. But when we speak, when we speak about the subject of the effects of what's going on with the so-called civilization that has been encroaching on the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the last number of centuries, and now we look at it encroaching on Islam itself, then at that stage we have to be careful what we label as globalization. If what we mean by this is a new world order, which has been mentioned by a number of political figures, then I will agree to that, provided that that order comes along with the expression that came along in 1953 in the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag, because they added a phrase, under God. So if that is the concept that people have of a new world order under God. Then I guess I'm for that. But if what we're talking about is something without God, 
or what they call secular, then I guess I'm not for that. When we talk about globalization, if we mean by that the economy or lack of it, the effects of borrowing money and trying to pay it back with interest that we didn't have to start with, that's why we borrowed the money, then I guess I'm not for that either. Because, of course, these are things that Islam teaches us. This is in the base of Islam. This is in the root of Islam. But especially if we're talking about a so-called civilization in a so-called New World Order where this globe is going to be controlled by people who will arbitrarily decide which countries need to be wiped off the map or sent back to the Stone Age or which leaders just need to be replaced because we don't like the way they look. then I guess I'm not for that either. Because if you said, well, this person over here, we don't like him, so he doesn't need to be a leader anymore, and you have a so-called majority rule on that, then what happens when somebody says to us, well, we don't like your leader now, and so we're going to just wipe them out too? It's impossible for human beings to be able to say what's best for all the other human beings. And it's impossible for us as human beings to be fair and equitable in delegating what should be the proper government or governing of each other. It can only be by the one who created us in the first place. And that's why I said it has to be under God. I know right away some of the atheists will object and say, well, we don't believe in God. Others from other religions might say, well, why your God and not our God? What I would suggest for that is, let's consider this. If there's enough evidence that there is some intelligent design. I'm going to use that phrase for a reason. If there's enough evidence for intelligent design and creation, then let us consider that there may be a God. And by the way, one of the latest things, they're not publishing this in the local newspaper, but amongst the scholars in science right now, there is a phrase called ID. It means intelligent design. They have found that there are certain, and I, I'm trying to remember the word for it in, in uh, what they used in their paper about it. I ask Allah forgive me for that, but uh, I wanted to tell you about this. There's a creature, a very small amoeboid, that is found under their microscopes. They said this did not evolve from something else. Its motor capacity, its ability to move, is a very base motion. They said it could not have evolved. It actually had to be designed by some intelligent creature or creation or creator. 
Bottom line, they called it ID, intelligent design. Their enemies, the one who want to argue against their paper, couldn't come up with anything intelligent to say. All they could say is what Texans say when they step in something, BS. And that was their official response to the paper. I don't know how you're going to translate BS into Arabic, but anyway. Bottom line is, we're at a point now where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's signs are so clear that even the atheists have to acknowledge something, and they've called it intelligent design. We're at a point now where the Quran, you can almost pick up any part of Jews' Amma where it's talking about the events that will take place in the last days and see indications of things that are beginning to happen or have already happened. And there are hadith of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him. Which, if you're, unless you're just totally blind and deaf, you have to admit, I'm talking about non-Muslims have had to admit at least that this man, وسلم, living in the Arabian desert 1,400 years ago, must have had a crystal ball. Now, that was one of the expressions that they used, meaning that he could see into the future they still don't want to acknowledge that he's a prophet, but they said at least he was right. Especially, and now I'll mention the Hadith, which is about the Hadith of Jibril. The one where the Prophet ﷺ is being asked by Jibril, what is Islam, what is Iman, what is Isan, and when is the hour? And we'll only address this last part. And when he said, وسلم, I'm sorry, it's translated into English, of course, that, that the hour will not come until the slave gives birth to the master. And if you haven't thought about this, just check it out and look at the family life in the so-called free Western world when the children are ordering the parents around, telling them what to do and what not to do, and even in some cases, children beating up their parents Some parents have rebelled and killed their own children in our country, the United States. And then the end of the hadith, uh, the end of that part of it, when the Prophet ﷺ said that when the Arab, the poor Arab, is competing, when they're competing with each other to build tall buildings in the desert. And I'm sure nobody here knows anything about what I'm talking about, right? And I just took my little camera, my little, my little Nikon here, out today and started taking pictures. By the way, smile. Now you have to say it in Arabic. Mashallah. They all smile. Anyway, on this camera right here, we got pictures of these tall buildings and you're building more and more. And somebody told me, well, that building over there is empty. I said, well, why would they build one across the street if that one's empty? They said, so it'll be bigger. Amazing. This is what's really happening. It's not a joke. And we're living in it. And how about the other people who don't even know what's Islam? 
I'm saying that what's transpired, and I want to be specific about this and not just generalize anymore. Many of you are concerned about what's happening, especially in America with Dawa. You'd like to know what's happened since the events of 9-11 a year ago, of, you know, September 11th, and what's going on. So I want to come to that point because it very much relates to the so-called globalization effects on the Dawa. Until September 11th of 2001, I was one of many of you brothers here who knew about the Hadith of Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that clearly says that the last day will not come until Islam has entered every house on the earth whether it's made out of the rocks or stone or the hair of an animal. And I was like you, I wanted to be one of those people who helped put Islam in those houses. I wanted to be one of those people who on the Day of Judgment could say, hey, I tried Allah, look here. Hoping. We had the internet website, islamtoday.com. And we put that out everywhere. I published it in every possible way that I could. Alhamdulillah, somebody here in, in your country has one similar called islamtoday.net. In fact, they now have our other one. We opened up islamtomorrow.com. And by the way, do you like the way I'm sneaking my commercials right into the speech? It's sneaky, isn't it? Anyhow, <laughs> what I'm saying is that we wanted to put Islam everywhere. We went to the prisons. We went to the jails. We went to the universities. We went to the military and gave shahadas. But still we weren't really reaching all the places. We were just barely like a drop in a bucket or even a drop in an ocean, so small compared to what we wanted to do. But then September 11th came. Then September the 13th came. And to me that's a bigger day than September 11th. Why? Because on Thursday, September the 13th of 2001, GW, that's what we call him back home in Texas, where I grew up. GW, Bush, stood on the White House lawn in front of the cameras and he said, Islam is a peaceful religion. And when he said that, it was immediately sent out over the entire world, translated into every language, put into papers for the benefit of those who didn't have TVs, and by the morning of the next day, there was not a house nor a home on earth made out of dirt or stone or the hair of an animal, except that they knew about some religion called Islam. Immediately, all of the books on Islam in every library were being checked out. Books for sale in the bookstores, Borders Books and Music, and Barnes and Noble, and all of the bookstores, bookstops, all of them were running out of books, sold out of books about Islam, anything with Quran, immediately sold, books about Islamic architects, and even Islamic cooking. People were taking it. Amazing. Why? They want to know what's this Islam we heard about. Who are these people? What do they want? Is Islam terrorism? We need to know. And immediately people were coming to the Masajid and asking questions. And a lot of the Muslims were running away from them. They were afraid. 
Alhamdulillah, many people entered into Islam. One of the ones you need to know about, though, is not the hundreds or thousands or how many it was, because I really don't know. But I want to tell you about the first one that I know about. I was up in New York one time telling about somebody that came to Islam within three days of the event. And when I was in New York, they said, well, why don't you ask right here, because right here in New York, in this masjid, somebody made shahada the same day on Warren Street, and that masjid is the closest walking distance to the World Trade Center, or what they call Ground Zero. By 6.30 the same day, he walked in, an American walked into that masjid and said, I need to make shahada, and everybody was shocked, and they told me they couldn't understand why. He said the reason was because he'd been thinking about it right along, but these events made him realize he needed to do it now. And now, I'm going to wind it up by mentioning this. Recently, somebody whose name is not worth mentioning, okay? I'm not even going to mention this person's name, insulted our beloved Prophet ﷺ. He only hurt himself, he only hurt his career, and he only hurt his own people. He did not hurt Islam. Because immediately people started running to the internet and to the bookstores to get books and articles on who is Muhammad wasallam. So more people now know about Muhammad wasallam. His name is number one in the world today. No other name is given to children more than this name. So what we know is this. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was going to put this deen in every house, whether they like it or not. And it will be up to the people to decide if they want Islam. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us to provide better information about Islam to the people. Amen. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make all, us, all of us of those who appreciate this deen, this beautiful way of life of Islam, and make us of those people who submit to Allah on his terms. And thank you so much, brothers, for being here. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive me for trying to put everybody's speech into the same one, but I hope that somehow Allah will accept that from us. Amen. I think that the, the whole question of globalization and the effect that it has on Dawah is a very important concept and a very important issue for Muslims today, both in the Muslim world as well as those Muslims who live in countries where there are minorities. And whilst we have been very